0: it's all about. I grew up wanting to be the head coach at LSU. I'm so proud for the state of Louisiana. We've had support from the governor, from the president, from everybody that loves LSU. I'm just so happy for the people from Louisiana. But you got to give the credit to this football team, man. They've been working for one year. They deserve this day. Go ahead and say it, Ed. <laughs> Go tag it. What up? 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 Testing one two. Testing one two. We are streaming live from the FTJ Studios, man. It's your host, Addison. Welcome to a brand new edition, a brand new edition, a 2020 edition of From the Jump. I'm in the studio with my engineer, Eric, and you know we on The Ones and Twos, hooking it up, going crazy right now, man. Thank you to everybody that's streaming our podcast. Thank you to everybody that's been tapped in. But you know what we got to talk about today? We got to give our, our, our the hugest shout out right now to the LSU Tigers. Go Tigers! As Coach Ozeron like to say with the, with the voice and all that, like Coach Ozeron, Go Tigers! Shout out to the LSU Tigers they, they, in that dominant fashion against Clemson tonight. 40, or, or last night, rather, because it's a new day. Today is, is Tuesday. 42-25, the LSU Tigers complete the 15-0 season, the perfect season. Joe Burrow, Joe Montana, Joe Brady, whatever you want to call him. Joe Magnificent. Tonight, he was, just, he was Joe Burrow tonight. He played like a man-child, possessed, set the FBS record. But, of course, we got a lot to talk about today on today's podcast. Of course, we'll get into LSU here. In a second, of course, we'll talk about the NFL divisional round this weekend. And of course, get you ready for the AFC, of course, and NFC championships coming up this week. Of course, we'll talk about the Houston Astros. And and... (sighs) yes, they, they cheated. We'll get into the Houston Astros. And on today's edition of the wrap up, we'll talk about the Penn State Nittany Lions. Listen up. It's from the jump. But of course wasting no time today cuz you know we got to just get straight into it. I mean it, it was it was a a dominating fashion last night. Of course if you didn't see the, the 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 national championship game of the college football world last night. If you didn't see the national championship last night, LSU defeated Clemson 42 to 25. And of course, if you don't know, if you if you if you ain't been watching football at all, you might not know the name Joe Burrow, but in case you don't know the name Joe Burrow, let me let me introduce you to Joe Burrow. And here's what Joe Burrow had to say after last night's victory against Clemson. A series of hard work paying off. This is this is an incredible moment for our for our program for Baton Rouge for Louisiana. Yeah, this is this is just so special. I'm kind of speechless. But of course, getting right to the analysis of the game last night, because of course this this is the most important thing. This game yesterday was close to the first half, but the second half, it really just showed that SEC is still the most dominant conference in college football. And of course, this game yesterday was dominated by none other than Joe Burrow, Joe Billionaire, Joe Montana, Joe, whatever you want to call him, Joe Champion is what we're going to call him today. Joe Champion finished the game 31 for 49, 463 yards, five touchdowns, four passing, one rushing of course, Trevor Lawrence on the other side, 18 for 37. Wasn't his best game, 234 yards, zero passing touchdowns, but also did carry the ball 10 times for 49 yards and also a touchdown. But and the difference yesterday's game between T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson was the LSU wide receivers won the, the position battle yesterday. The arrow was pointing at LSU yesterday. And, of course, LSU came into yesterday's game with the Blitnikoff award winner, which was Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who basically was the second best Receiver in college football. I mean, these two dudes. It, it's really unfair. It was like video game, like what Joe Brady was calling plays yesterday. But of course, Jamar Chase finished the game yesterday, nine for 221 yards and two touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson finished the game for nine. He finished the game nine catches for 106 yards. And again, that, I think that was the difference in yesterday's game. And I, and and I think we can we can just go ahead and get. To, but before I get into the analysis, really quick, I want I want to read off Joe Burrow's stats. And, and and the records that he set this year. Of course, passing for over 60 touchdowns, which broke Colt Brennan's previous record, which was 58 touchdowns. He had the most touchdowns responsible for in a BCS or a college football playoff, if you will, which with six passing touchdowns. The most passing yards in a national championship game with 463 yards, just to kind of give you some records that Joe Burrow broke yesterday. And of course, this overall season. But as, as I said, LSU... Clemson, this game was an entertaining football game. I think early on, Clemson gave their best punch. I think Dabo Sweeney kind of showed his hand a little bit, kind of took that game plan from last week against, or I'm sorry, week beforehand against Ohio State, which was we're going to kind of run Trevor Lawrence a little bit, move him around in the pocket. I, I thought Clemson came out aggressive, and I thought up until they had that reverse, which basically went for a touchdown, I felt like Clemson had had all the momentum basically in the first half. I felt like LSU, albeit, was at home. They came out sluggish. And their first two drives, if you saw the game, were basically within the 10-yard line. One, I think, was within the 5-yard line. So, of course, with any offense, it's hard to establish any type of rhythm when you have two straight possessions basically within your own 5-yard line. It's going to be hard for any offense. And, of course, that offense, which is a system timing type offense, a pro-style football type of offense, to develop any type of rhythm. So in yesterday's game. As you saw. When they got the ball to the 20 yard line. They went right down the field and scored. They went right down the field and scored. They didn't blink. Joe Burrow didn't blink. He didn't flinch. He didn't panic. And and, and again. I, I thought. The play that changed the entire game. Was the Clyde Edwards Hilaire play out of bounds. When his hand touched out of bounds. And they didn't call it. They didn't review it. Because LSU. Basically ran a play so fast. That they didn't even have time to replay it. Because his hand clearly was out of bounds. So that. Eight or nine yard play went for 22 yards, which gave LSU field position, which ultimately changed the entire tide of the football game, which changed the entire tide of the football game. Like I said, prior to LSU was just sluggish. Of course, they were at home. A lot of emotions. I'm talking about a lot of emotions. If you've never been to Louisiana, those people in Louisiana love LSU and they love the New Orleans Saints. Not so much the New Orleans Pelicans. I, You know, I, I rarely meet people that like are from New Orleans that just love the Pelicans. But one thing's for certain, two things for sure. The Louisiana Tigers and the New Orleans Saints are the two things that all New Orleans people are going to typically have in common. That's going to be facts on facts on facts. So ultimately, with that being said, LSU came out in yesterday's game a little bit sluggish. But as I said, once they were able to get some type of rhythm going... Once they were offensively able to kind of pick up on that blitz, which I thought, by the way, them them kicking or them, which we'll kind of get into here, We'll kind of change gears here. Them ejecting number 47, I think his name was Skolowski, for the targeting call, I thought was a trash call. I know Justin Jefferson went on a slant, and I know they're ultimately trying to eliminate targeting in the NFL completely. I'm sorry, not the NFL, but the NCAA completely. We're ultimately in football completely. But I I, I believe that the NCAA's targeting rule is trash. I believe that the NCAA should change its zero-tolerance rule to ultimately offenses, right? Like if a guy has a first defense on a hit, it should be a 15-yard penalty. And, of course, if it's a second-time offense during the game, it should be an ejection. But the zero-tolerance, okay, you get one chance, you accidentally make it. Because it was a football play. I didn't see intent there. I didn't see somebody looking to spear a guy or or looking to take a kill shot or any type of, you know what I mean, A, a, a nasty shot defensive players typically would take. So in that case right there, I don't think that that was a moment in time in which a guy should be ejected from a game, especially from an NCAA game. In the NFL, you 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 typically see you know guys get ejected, ejected just for those kind of plays. So I think in NCAA, that rule has to change. But outside of that, I, again and again, I, I want to change gears here quickly. Trevor Lawrence, I just didn't think played his best football game. I, but I don't think he played horrible either. I, I just don't think he did enough offensively to match Joe Burrow. I mean, when you look across in that sideline and a guy's putting up touchdowns and an offense is is coming at you in waves, in droves, you, you offensively have to be able to counter. And I didn't think this year, offensively, Clemson had that same type of explosion that they did. We saw a year ago against Alabama. So ultimately, what was my biggest takeaway from this football game? My biggest takeaway from this football game was simple. LSU this year was the best college football team. This is one of the magical seasons that we've seen from a college football team. I know we're prisoners of the moment. I know we want to say Joe Burrow is one of the greatest college quarterbacks to ever play the game. We've seen a lot. We've seen Vince Young. I mean, we've seen Tim Tebow. We've I mean, we've seen a lot of college quarterbacks. Cam Newton has had magical moments. So we've seen a lot of college quarterbacks come and, and, and kind of almost like win our hearts over and go on to do bigger things in the NFL. And we all know Joe Burrow probably will be the number one pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. But let's not overreact here. And say Joe Burrow is the greatest college quarterback ever. He has the the records and the stats to prove it. But I just think, let's just live in the moment here, shall we? Shout out to LSU Tigers. They finished the season 15-0. Go Tigers! But of course, the NFL had its divisional round on Saturday and Sunday. And of course, four games that transpired. Of course, the Tennessee Titans defeated the Baltimore Ravens 28-12. The 49ers defeated the Minnesota Vikings 27-10. Of course, on Sunday, as we saw the Seattle Seahawks lost to the Green Bay Packers 28-23. And of course, when we saw that wild AFC, not wild card, I don't know why I'm thinking the wild card, divisional round opening game, the Chiefs erased a 24-0 deficit to Defeat the Houston Texans, 51 to 31, and of course, my biggest takeaways, and of course, I go through each one of them because, of course, I won't give you the long drawn out analysis of my, but I'll kind of give you my brief thoughts on all four games. But starting off with the Chiefs and the Titans, I'm sorry, the Chiefs and the Texans. The biggest takeaway from that football game was, I honestly thought, coaching. I thought one coach made an adjustment and the other one couldn't make adjustments, and the other one had coaching blunders once again. In a playoff game, going forward, not going forward on fourth down, calling timeouts. Again, it's the same thing week in, week out with Bill O'Brien. And it sucks with the Houston Texans because, again, in this game, it wasn't the fact that they could not score because they were able to put up points. It was the fact that the Chiefs were able to score as well. And, again, we got to give all the praise and the credit to Patrick Mahomes, 23 for 35, 321 yards, five touchdowns, bringing that Chiefs football team back. And I think it was that Harmon kickoff return As soon as I saw it happen, I said, "Uh uh-oh, that was all that they needed. Because prior to, it was just like they were getting three and out, three and out. You know what I mean? Drop passes. So things like that, that was just sluggish play. Again, when you have that bye week coming off, and we saw it, it was a little bit different for the 49ers. It helped them because they were able to get guys healthy. So they had some guys, they were able to be fresher. But for the Baltimore Ravens, it didn't necessarily work out. For the Green Bay Packers, that bye week helped out tremendously. We were able to see... But as we were able to see in this specific one, it almost got to the Kansas City Chiefs because it was like 21 to zip in the first quarter. I remember I was in the group text with a bunch of people and we all was like, yo, this game is over with. And then, of course, as we all know, the Kansas City Chiefs had the, the kickoff return and then everything kind of from that moment on Everything just went Kansas City way. So as I said, the Kansas City Chiefs did defeat the Houston Texans 51-31 in an AFC Divisional round game. Of course, as we also did see on Sunday, the Green Bay Packers did defeat the Seattle Seahawks 28-23. And Aaron Rodgers had a typical, a, 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 great, a great Aaron Rodgers-like game. 16 for 27, 243 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions at home. Kind of controlled the football game, of course, Russell Wilson on the other side was twenty one for thirty one two hundred and seventy seven yards and one touchdown. Of course, the Packers put enough points on the board this week. They were able to put up enough points on the board, and that was my that was my key to the game I said on the last podcast prior to where well, are the Green Bay Packers coming off this bye week, giving a week off to rest offensively? what was going to be their game plan as we saw they 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 ran the football with Aaron Jones steadily. And like I said, they took shots. Devontae Adams had a hell of a monster-like game on Sunday. He doesn't get a lot of credit because, of course, he's kind of injured all the time. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers in that offense is going to get all the credit. But Devontae Adams put up a monster-like game on Sunday in that offense against the Seattle Seahawks for that matter. And, of course, like I said, Aaron Rodgers was good. But to be honest, them boys in the Bay are waiting. And this was the matchup that they wanted to play San Francisco. I'm sorry, not to play San Francisco. If San Francisco would have had to play Seattle, it probably would have been a different matchup. But because of the fact that they get the Green Bay Packers, this was the matchup that the San Francisco 49ers wanted. Honestly. So as I said, the next week's game with well, this upcoming Sunday's game is going to be a huge game because we saw the last time they played it, it. It really wasn't pretty. But on the other side for the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, again, the Seahawks have a young team around Russell Wilson. But they need more offensive explosion. D, DK Metcalf is good. Of course, Tyler Lockett every year, it, you know, of course, is going to put up the numbers that he typically does. He, he has been a pro bowler. So he is a force to be reckoned with in this league. And also, uh, they, they lost their, basically their starting tight end this year, Will Dissily, who was my fantasy sleeper. I, I I know how to find tight ends on fantasy. If you need to know how to find a tight end on fantasy, come holler at your boy. You know what I'm saying? I did win the league this year. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I like to toot my own horn. Eh, eh anyway the seattle seahawks need more offensive explosion and again as russell wilson of course they locked him in for the next four to five years but they're gonna have to get more offensive explosion around now Beast Mode had an interesting quote after the game y'all take a listen to marshawn lynch
1: but look i'll say like
0: this though right it's a vulnerable time for a lot of these young dudes you feel me they don't be taking care of their chicken right you feel me so if it was me or if I had an opportunity to let these little uh, young side know something, I'd say take care of y'all money, African, because that shit don't last forever. But don't go anywhere. Up next on From the Jump, we'll talk about the Houston Astros. Should they be stripped of their World Series title for stealing signs? And on today's edition of The Wrap-Up, find out why a former Penn State player is suing Penn State. Listen up. It's From the Jump. Music make you lose control. Let's- Showstopper beats Get it crunk and wired Wave your hands, scream loud On the wall with your back On the wall with your back On the wall with your Everybody here get it out of control Come one, come all Prepare to make your Taco Bell cravings come true with mouth-watering acts like the three bold flavors of the Double Stack Taco. A taco so melty, yet crunchy. It's a show like you've never tasted before. All for just one dollar each. The one dollar Double Stack Tacos on the Cravings Value menu. Value that never ceases to amaze. So what's the deal with the app? So the safer you drive, the more money you save. Well, bad news, State Farm, because Aaron doesn't know how to play it's safe. Mm. it safe. It it. 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 That's enough. What? Don't mess with my discount. What are my other options? Get a discount up to 30% with Drive Safe and Save from State Farm. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. We are streaming live right now in FTJ Studios. Of course, as I said, it's your host, Addison. Episode 99 of from the Jump, man. These episodes, they keep rolling out. As I said, we got co-hosts on the wag I got people that are, are, are curating podcasts here in the future that will be guests on the show. So like I said, you will be hearing more people on my show. Definitely will be bringing you more interviews this year. And ultimately, our goal is to get visual. Eventually, we will get visual. So that way, once a week, we can give you a visual podcast. So that way, you're not just listening to us. But as I said, more information to come. But if you're not streaming us, definitely continue to stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartMedia, wherever podcasts are distributed. Like search us on the search bar at From the Jump. That's with the A, not an E, from the... T-H-A, you know, because it's the West Coast, jump, and then podcast, so always remember it's an A, not an E, but definitely keep streaming us, thank you to everybody that keep tapping in with us, but of course, as we got to continue on with today's show, and as I said last night, of course, the LSU Tigers did defeat the Clemson Tigers, 42-25, to and of course, with winning, with the success comes, you know, players moving on to the draft, people getting married, and possibly coaches going back to the NFL, and of course, there are sources out there that are saying LSU Joe Brady, which has been the hottest name. You know, of course, if you don't know, this is the guy that's been behind Joe Burrow's magical season, has been one of the hottest names on the coaching market this, you know, upcoming offseason, if you will. And there are sources that are saying that the Carolina Panthers are offering him the offensive coordinator job. Now, he said during the media days, during LSU's time, that he would be his intentions are to stay at LSU. But again, in this situation, if you're Joe Brady, why would you not go back to nfl joe is going back to the nfl lsu probably won't have another 15 of no season like we saw this year not saying that they can't get back to the national championship not saying they can't win the sec because i think lsu will be a force to reckon with in the sec for years to come and as i said once they just won all the kids in louisiana are now going to want to go to lsu why not he just won a national championship but as i said joe brady is thinking about going back to the Carolina Panthers. Also, in breaking news, this is coming across the Sports Wire as we speak. Chargers great, Antonio Gates has announced he is retiring. Of course, Antonio Gates has played 16 seasons in the NFL, eight Pro Bowl appearances, has broken many, many records, has all the Chargers records, He's a career leader in reception with 955, receiving yards with 11,841, and, of course, in all touchdown catches with 116. Ranks amongst the greatest that I've ever seen play. T- you know, Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharpe, Blanks, all those guys. Antonio Gates consistently year in and year out, you know, was getting it done. And he never complained. He never switched teams. You always saw Antonio Gates with the Los Angeles Chargers and or the San Diego Chargers, for that matter, and Phillip Rivers. And, of course, those years back in the day with him, LT, when that connection was just unstoppable. But like I said, this is coming across the sports wire right now. Apparently, it says that uh, he says he never dreamed that he would be playing football so long, especially for uh, just for one organization. But he's saying that today he's officially retiring. As a, a Los Angeles Charger, he's grateful that he lended his services to the Chargers organization. And, of course, he was able to help the community, so on and so forth. But, again, shout-out to Antonio Gates, man. One of, the, one of the GOATs, man. Dang. The real ones is dying. The fake ones is lit. In other news, as I said, uh, in other news, NFL retired football player Chad Johnson apparently is trying out for XFL kicker. Now, apparently, uh, the, the XFL... You know, we all know should be coming within the coming months. Oliver Luck is kind of the face of that. No real notable name from the XFL I have kind of just jumped out. But I like what they're doing here. This is an alternative, you know, after NFL for people that love football, such as myself, to continue to watch the sport, you know. But apparently they're saying that Chad Johnson has an apparent workout with the XFL. Now, Chad Johnson tweeted, and he said, the opportunity to kick in the XFL has presented itself. I must try out Monday in Houston. I'm excited as hell and I'm sure all will go well. Now, apparently, he will be kicking for this Houston, I guess, XFL team. Now, the XFL rules for kicking are different than the NFL. Apparently, there says that there are no extra point kicks in the XFL. And, of course, the kickoffs are, are to be spotted at the either 25 or the 30-yard line, making the touchback unlikely. Now, of course, can Chad Johnson kick? We don't know. I don't know if he can kick or not. But, again, this is just Chad Johnson, of course, getting his name back out there. Of course, a celebrity, albeit. But this is a guy that loves football, a guy that still feels like he's still open right now, still feels like he's still playing the league, just like Terrell Owens. A lot of them guys still feel like they can play in the league, especially with the past happy offenses nowadays. I mean, it's really just about being in shape, you know, and kind of take care of your body because it's really just mental. So, you know, again, who knows what could come of this XFL tryout, but come on, Chad Johnson making it as an XFL kicker, highly unlikely. But of course the MLB had breaking news yesterday as the Houston Astros fired their general manager Jeff Loonhow and of course their manager A.J. Hinch after the MLB found them guilty of stealing signs and of course the MLB handed down the discipline. Now here's Jim Crane after yesterday's firing of Jeff Loonhow and also manager A.J. Hinch. MLB did a very thorough investigation and the Astros fully cooperated. Today I have made the decision to dismiss A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunow We need to move forward with a clean slate. Now, of course, after listening to what Jim Crane had to say, I think he was spot on in firing him. I think he, like he said, I think he has to stand, of course, as he goes on to say, rather, I think he has to stand for excellence. And, of course, the Houston Astros, he says as an organization, can't stand for that. Now, of course, the league investigated and did confirm that the Houston Astros did steal signs by using outfield cameras with video feed in the dugout during the regular season and the playoffs of the World Series, which they won against the the, the Los Angeles Dodgers back in 2017. And they also said that they also used it some more in 2018. Now, it gets a little bit deeper here. It says Red Sox manager Alex Cora will also likely face penalties after it was determined that he arranged for the video room technician to install a monitor displaying the center field camera feed immediately outside of the Astros' dugout. It also goes on to say the report also says that Alex Cora was involved in developing both the banging schemes and utilizing the replay room to decode and transmit signs. So this guy, Alex Cora, seems like he was the gangster of the group. It seemed like not only was he organizing it, but he was the one that came up with the schemes and ways to hide the fact that they knew all the Dodger signs. So with all of that being said, now, of course, as it says, the MLB did give them the penalty. They lose the first and the second round draft pick. They were fined $5 million. And of course, the MLB goes on to say if they're involved in it. Again, if AJ Luntz or Jeff Loonhow, of course, are involved, they will be put on the basically the commissioner's ineligible list. With all of that being said, should the Houston Astros be stripped of their World Series title? And I'm going to say yes. And for one simple reason and one simple reason only. Simply because of the fact that It wasn't the fact that you had a player that was on steroids, so okay, we could kind of say, well, your stats in that World Series didn't really count because you was on the juice. Okay, cool. It was the simple fact that you deliberately came into the series, well, for the entire season for that matter, and you were videotaping and you had all the opposing teams signs that the pitchers. So they knew all the counts. They knew all the, they knew it. And again, is this a new art in baseball? It isn't. People sit, they watch second base to try to figure out the signs. We get that. However, in this case in point, when you use technology, when you use video to do your crime, I feel like that's where it gets technical. And again, by the MLB coming down with them losing draft picks, I understand that's cool. And of course, the Houston Astros had to do what they do and of course fire those individuals. But again, the World Series still stands. That organization still has a title. And when we all look back on that World Series title in Houston, I think we're going to look at that one as damaged goods. On today's edition of the wrap-up, former Penn State football player Isaiah Humphreys apparently is filing a lawsuit against James Franklin the University and also his former teammate Damian Brown. Now, of course, a ESPN report, Tom Van Horen reports that apparently this lawsuit that Isaiah Humphreys is filing apparently has to do with hazing. Now, of course, they say that the hazing was collectively orchestrated. It says that the the whole facilitated thing was to harass and haze the underclassmen. It also says that the underclassmen were talked to derogatorily, sexually, by saying things like, I'm going to Sandusky you. They also went on, the report goes on to say, that the, the, the upperclassmen wrestled the underclassmen, dry humping them, putting them in, in almost like sexual wrestling type moves, you know, on so on and so forth. Kind of things, you know, young men kind of men do, if you will, w- when you play football. And of course, Penn State went on to release a statement saying that the university has established the process in place for responding to the claims. Because, of course, we all know that with the Sandusky situation, they don't have any time to sit back and wait for anybody to bring forth sexual allegations towards them. And they haven't addressed it. It also goes on to say, in accordance with our processes, the Office of Sexual Misconduct Prevention and Response and the Office of Student Conduct carried out investigations of the plaintiff's claims independent from intercollegiate athletics. So apparently it's saying that the school took different actions from the football team. So, of course, now it's going to get a little dicey because, of course, if the football team knew this was transpiring and didn't say anything but the school knew it was going on and didn't say anything, then whose word really is staying for and Who should ultimately be responsible for this situation? It's the bottom line. Who's supposed to be responsible for this situation? Now, again, as more information, as more details comes out about this situation, of course, we'll learn more and more about this situation. However, what I will say is these things typically do happen on football teams. You're going to have the upperclassmen that are going to bully the freshmen, that's just how it goes. Guys are going to wrestle. You're going to be put in certain positions that may feel sexual, that kind of thing. But it's it's football. It's wrestling. It's it's a man's game, to be honest. However, we live in a different time period where those days are over, where the upperclassmen hazing the younger classmen over with. We had a nasty situation, I believe, that happened at FAMU, where a kid, I, I believe, died as a result of hazing. So, again, on these college campuses, they do take these hazing situation serious especially for these fraternities and also in athletics but again like I said as more information comes up we definitely will keep tabs on the story but as I said I, I don't want to jump to conclusions here as to who's wrong who's right who's because like I said we don't know and we don't have any other accounts but any other football players saying that they were also mistreated by these football players but we are streaming on all digital platforms Spotify iHeartMedia Podbean Stitcher iHeartRadio definitely tap in tell a friend to tell a friend follow us on all my social media at Addison Speaks on everything. I definitely tap back in with everybody, so definitely tap in with me. Episode 99 of From the Jump, we talked about a lot today. Shout out to them Tigers of LSU getting a dub. It's your boy. We out.